2: And a throw. Slam. Okay. This bug's for you, Mizzou. And they
0: are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. He's locked up to short middle. Beatty with the catch. And he's going to
3: jet his way into the end zone. Missouri touchdown. Hand off to Rowntree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left side on around the, right of the This is the MazzotCast. Welcome to the MazzotCast. Uh, I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And uh, we're having a a live show again. It is uh, kind of a busy one for the middle of May, Colin. We we had more softball news this week than I think we'll ever have ever, I'd say.
4: (laughs) Which is probably ultimately a good thing.
3: Yeah, uh, this is a football podcast, ultimately. Or yeah, supposedly. you know, if,
4: if we're talking too much softball, it doesn't say much for the football program.
3: You know, it is, like I said, mid-May, so it is not prime football season. And the softball team, frankly, it deserves a little bit of a shout-out. I mean, they hosted the regional this week, and I can't imagine a Mizzou team sport ever dominating in the fashion that they dominated. And they won them a one-hitter on Friday night. A uh, one hitter on Saturday night and a no hitter on Sunday. Jordan Weber, the pitcher from Mizzou, had the no hitter, also had the Friday night one hitter, and ultimately they won 17 to nothing in those three games, finishing it against Iowa State. Uh, that means that Mizzou will now be hosting a super regional uh, against James Madison, which is big news for Mizzou because they were expecting to play Tennessee, who is the number nine overall seed in the country, and mm-hmm. they got upset by James Madison. And so we we're one of, I think, only three teams in this entire thing that are going to face a non-ranked opponent in the super regional. If they can pull that off this weekend, then heartbreaking, uh, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, poor Tennessee. I feel so terrible. <laughs> But it is amazing. I mean, well, look, softball is different than baseball. I think a no-hitter is a little bit more common, but damn. You know, Missouri's softball team has been good all year long, but they don't have a single dominant pitcher like some programs do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that two pitchers managed to not only shut them out for the entire weekend, but only allowed two hits is pretty amazing. Yeah,
4: I mean, if you've ever tried to hit a softball, like a, a fast-pitch softball, it is a, it is a big job. When girls are pitching at the level these two girls are, I mean, I— Bree obviously makes it next to impossible uh, yeah. with the result they had this weekend.
3: Yeah, Iowa State uh, lost 5 to nothing to Mizzou. And I think another thing that was interesting about the game is that Mizzou brought in about 2,300 people to that Sunday performance. There were over 2,000 in attendance all those days last weekend and this is the first event Mizzou has hosted in over a year where uh, it's at full capacity yeah, there's mm-hmm. no restrictions that just was lifted and uh, the people are showing up and i have to think that that 2300 number is going to be even higher when we're hosting the super regional which could launch them into the college world series <laughs>
4: well like i said it'll, it'll take a super regional to get me to a softball game but you know i may give it a whirl
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Connor asks, "Is there a pro softball league?" And I think the appropriate answer is, "Who knows? I, no <laughs> yeah. one knows. Yeah. There's no way to know.
4: There's no way to know.
3: We wish them luck. And uh, if,
4: it, Brendan, if it, if 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 a softball professional softball league league exists, it's not popular enough to beat out Johnsonville brought cornhole tournaments on ESPN 2 <laughs> for viewership. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> <That's> so. <true. laughs>
3: that's true I'll admit it Colin I uh, I, if I'm flipping through the channels and I see that the Johnsonville cornhole championships are going on I sit around for a little bit and watch it it's not the worst thing to <laughs> watch
4: no it's impressive I think it's one of those things it's kind of like watching golf it's like if you've ever played cornhole uh, watching those guys do it makes you understand how good they are at it
3: yeah, if you haven't played
4: cornhole it probably seems extremely boring
3: <laughs> well and, it's uh, it's tremendous athletes I mean that's yeah
4: oh gosh you can just tell by
3: their physiques I
4: saw axe throwing the other day. That was a new one. I hadn't seen that uh, on the on ESPN the Ocho, but I saw it the other night. And uh, yeah. just like the Johnsonville brought uh, cornhole, they were they just one bullseye after the other with his fucking axe.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, ESPN back in the day before I guess they could afford the rights to all the major sporting events like Intervel. They used to show a lot of that kind of bullshit. I don't know if you remember. They had like um, these Nordic strongman competitions where, and things where they'd have to like climb up trees and chop down logs and roll on logs on a river, and then, or, or just like carry a, or try to pull a truck by their teeth. Well, I remember. You know what I'm talking
4: about. I'm old enough to remember when um, ABC. Like we only had three channels growing up because our parents were too uh, cheap to pop for cable. So we had ABC, NBC, and the CBS. And then, like, anyway, um, I remember, you know, Saturdays was cartoons. And then, basically, noon, one o'clock hour, it switched over to, like, National Geographic, uh, Wild Kingdom. And ABC would typically have some sort of really obscure sport, whether yeah, it be the, the Strongman competitions sports. or the Ironmans or the, uh, you know, crazy stuff. Yeah, people chasing cheese in a hill.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. She's rolling downhill. Uh, But they used to have like Celtic football and and sports that I think they just made up. You know, there's like these weird Irish football games that had like a soccer goal and a normal American football field goal. I learned a lot about sports that nobody cares about in that era. Mm -hmm. But, But honestly, sometimes that obscure shit, obviously, there's a novelty factor to it that it would not be fun after a while. But sometimes it's a lot more fun than the bullshit they show now. Yeah. Got, they have like what looks like a fire pit.
4: Uh, it's not uh, no a fire in it, but they like a little basket in the middle, and they're all just trying to hit the hacky sack inside of the basket. It's I've seen a lot on like Twitter and stuff lately, and like who who does this? <laughs> How do you get into that?
3: I don't know. Curling became big in the Olympics. But, uh, I mean, I would watch any of that before I watch like, you know, the talking heads yelling at each other on midday ESPN. The only time I see that is if I'm getting a haircut at sports clips and it's a bunch mm-hmm. of women who don't care to be watching it either.
4: Yeah, well, I realize that I've gotten old enough to be out of touch with what's cool or popular because Stephen A. Smith still has a job. and While ESPN fires one person after the other – uh, Stephen A. Smith still gainfully employed, and I'm just like I obviously I I don't get it anymore. You know, what I mean like I've gotten too old or something to understand what's entertainment because Stephen A. Smith is the fucking worst in my opinion, uh, but uh, not not to the vast majority of people apparently.
3: Well, there, there actually is a little bit of football news that we can talk about, Colin, um, and I, I think we're going to get into this later because uh, we're having a guest. This is our first live show guest we're going to have on, and it's uh, Adam Spencer from Saturday the South. He's joined us in the past during football season, but I do want him to uh, talk to us a little bit about this situation with Jarvis Ware, who entered the transfer portal late this afternoon. You may have heard about it. There's been talk about him possibly transferring for a little while because he's coming off a knee injury he received against the alabama or i think in the alabama game last year and uh, he's not been doing it on campus he's been gone and it's that's
2: ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts .edu/podcast.
3: It's an unusual thing, and there's been some rumbling that he might not come back. He's now officially in the transfer portal. Um, and the big deal about that is he's the second defensive back to have left the program. Darius Perkins left us earlier, and I think he's going to be playing for Florida now. This is a defense that already was thin or at least untested. And so it's, it's kind of a knock for Drinkwitz's program today you know everything's been coming up drink what's positive 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 but kind of sucks to see Jarvis Ware go because he was a talented defensive back I mean I think he ran interception back for a touchdown last year um I hate to see him go but I don't know you never know this kind of thing always happens I mean Barry Odom's players aren't going to get along 100 percent with drink you know it's just it, it's not always going to work out every team loses guys so i don't know how bummed to feel about it but uh but he gone yeah
4: yeah he gone well i mean i i guess my hope is if we were so thin at defensive back that we had to have him Drinkowitz would have found a way to convince him
3: to stay that's right Jay has reminded us that so we have not tweeted out the link to the show because this is uh, – if you're listening to the podcast, this is a live show. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post that out now for the uh, the general audience. But, uh, yeah, we'll get back to the Jarvis Ware situation because I think Adam Spencer might have some insight for us on that. In lieu of not having a ton of football stuff to talk about right now, uh, the big transfer – for a starting defensive back is news. And uh, in other news, there was a hire for the soccer team. We mentioned that Coach Brian Blitz had left after a while. And I don't follow soccer any closer than I follow softball, Colin. But I had seen some hate from Brian Blitz. And maybe our listeners can help us out as to exactly why. Maybe just because they haven't had much success. But um, I didn't know that people didn't like him. But apparently there were a lot of people who didn't like him. But they got a new coach now. Stephanie Golan is her name. She's actually from Missouri. And she is the Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, coach for eight years and it was actually the 2016 Big Ten Coach of the Year so um, we actually lured a Big Ten Coach away I don't know if the money's sexier in the SEC or if she just wanted to come back home or what but uh, anyway Stephanie Golan's the new head coach and she'll be making how much you want to take a stab at how much a college soccer coach makes Colin do you have any sense of this? Oh gosh let's say $28,000 a year (laughs) <laughs> Without benefits,
4: yeah. Oh well, Brennan, we're not going to talk about benefits. Come on, it's soccer.
3: <laughs> She'll be earning one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year as Mizzou's new soccer coach. And wow, I have again, I picked the <laughs> wrong profession. <laughs> I have no idea whether that's in line with uh, normal salaries, or high, or low, or what. But uh, seems
4: astronomically high.
3: <laughs> well, she's been a she's been at it for eleven years. She coached Army before Minnesota, so. We'll see what she can do.
4: I just assumed it would be a sort of, you know, it it would be, you know, like competitive salary as compared to like Chick-fil-A or something like that. I didn't realize it was.
3: Uh, Chick-fil-A manager.
4: Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't want to be insulting. But, uh. <laughs>
3: That's right. Speaking of money, Colin, I guess we should circle around to some other news that uh, is football related. This is probably the biggest news, more than a, a D-back transferring, which happens every year. The uh, Mizzou Board of Curators met last week and approved the new football practice facility that I know Drinkwitz has been eyeing and, and certainly Jim Sturck had been eyeing. Uh, it's going to, the price tag on that thing is going to be about $33 million, but when you consider how big and what it's going to entail, it doesn't surprise me um it's going to be an as good a facility as any in the country and it's going to be just adjacent to the new south end zone complex which is also already really nice when this thing is built and finished out in 2022 i guess is what they're saying then i can't imagine there's going to be many teams in the country that have better facilities than us
4: yeah, I mean uh, – or at least we'll be competitive.
3: The thing that gets me about like sort of this facilities arms race that's been happening in college football for well over 10 years now is that and, – and correct me if I'm wrong, Colin, but from what I hear, these colleges have better facilities a lot of times than the NFL franchises because the NFL franchises don't have to woo recruits. You know what I mean? They, they go out in the open market and draft and pay – players and so <laughs> these stadiums you know that are sometimes old and and showing their years and paint peeling are not as nice as what they played in in college especially you know the teams like missouri and a lot of sec schools which are constantly building and growing
4: no i mean it's uh i one of my biggest complaints over the years with mizzou is like if you want to play with the big boys you got to spend like the big boys and uh mizzou has i mean at least in football i mean they the the uh stadium a renovation and um, or expansion or whatever you're going to call it and and now this the practice facility I mean they're spending big bucks and uh, you know they also you know people may forget they when they hired Drinkwitz not only do they pay him well they gave him a pretty big budget for his assistant coaches that was something that made me optimistic.
3: You know, reminds me, we were talking, bemoaning the baseball team, and they finished their season, I think, with 16 wins this year. They actually beat Auburn uh, in the final game of the year, but they're not going to Hoover, Alabama for the tournament, shocker. Uh, and I, I was bemoaning the fact that they didn't spend any money on their facilities. But I saw something this week that kind of surprised me when it comes to baseball and Mizzou. Uh, Dave Matter was doing his weekly chat on the Post-Dispatch, and he said that, in all of Mizzou sports, when he writes about things, and the Post Dispatch tracks what gets listeners and what doesn't, the worst readership of any Mizzou sport—men's, women's, Olympics, sport, or otherwise—is baseball. He said when they when he writes an article about the baseball team, nobody reads it, and that shocked me. I would have not thought that the baseball team would have been the least popular sport for people to read about at the University of Missouri. And I don't know if it's a, if you build it, they will come kind of situation or, or why there's no enthusiasm for college baseball at the University of Missouri. You know,
4: I will say one thing about baseball is, to me, baseball is a sport that is more dependent on star power in some ways, at least for my personal uh, opinion is, is my, my fandom seem to ebb and flow with how much firepower is on the roster. Yeah. And when you start talking about college baseball, you're not, you're talking about a bunch of kids that aren't good enough to have been drafted at a high school. You know, there's no Mike Trouts at the college level. Or if there are, they are very, very far in between because if they were Mike Trout, they'd already be drafted.
3: Well, there's a lot of guys that come out of college. I mean, you know, Mike Trout. I know, but what I'm saying is, those
4: players that come into college are not, they develop into MLB players, but they don't come as MLB players. And so it's, you know, it's so much more developmental. It'd be like, it's like sort of like asking, why aren't more people more into the D League and the NBA? It's like, well, yeah. they're just, they don't, they lack the power and, and electric talent that sort of draws the, the fans' eye.
3: I, I don't, I just don't think that's true. I, um, I, I think most of those guys played at big time college programs. I mean, Max Scherzer here, was a, you know, was played four years. I know, Missouri, but Max Scherzer time. wasn't
4: Max Scherzer when he was a freshman in college. That's no, but everyone, a lot of those guys develop into po- big time players. But you know, I, I think don't about think everything- basketball. Right? When when, when Jante or, or when the Porter brothers show up and it becomes, it just becomes the only story in Mizzou sports. That that just is. There's no way for that to happen at the baseball level.
3: I think that every big time major league player played at a major. University. Again, you're missing my Baseball point. Program.
4: They become worthy of following, but no, but no freshman comes in and sets and, and, and engenders a bunch of enthusiasm for the program because if a player was good enough to engender that sort of fandom right out of the gate, they would have been drafted. Do you, am I not? I, don't, I feel like I'm not getting across my point.
3: I, I, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like. Every star baseball player started somewhere, and it, in your analogy, you know the Jonte Porters, or you know, in football, you know the the guys who we get as a five star and get excited about as freshmen, they come to play at the university and then they go on to the NFL or whatever. Yeah. But I think I, I don't think that there's that many players that go straight to the. To, well, it does have to, to be a lot of high players, school, but, to- but
4: if all of the very best players. Don't go to college, then you're. That's what. That's what. That's what I'm saying. Baseball lacks.
3: Baseball, but I don't lacks. think that's true. I think year. all of them do go to college.
4: I. How can you say that? Bryce Harper didn't go to college. You know, Albert or Albert Poulos did go to college, but my Trout didn't go to college. I mean, the very best of the best in basketball are forced to go to college for at least one year. The very best of the best in football are forced to go to college for at least three years. Baseball does not have that. The very best of the best skip right over them. And that's my only—it's the same reason—I mean, you just—I'm not saying there aren't stars in college. and I'm not saying that um, these guys don't develop into MLB players, but there's never going to be a circumstance where the number one player in the nation, in baseball, is going to come to your program, or any program for that matter, because the Yankees are going to draft him in the first round and pay him— Sixteen million dollars on a rookie contract. You know what I mean? Like it's just baseball lacks college baseball. That is lacks star power.
3: I don't know. Yeah, you may be right, but I, uh, I, I just, I do see other universities, regardless of that, that draw a crowd and people get excited. And when we get guys, maybe we're not as freshmen. Maybe they didn't get drafted in the first round out of out of high school. But like when Max Scherzer was here, for instance, when he was a junior and a senior. People were excited about him, and were talking about him, and knew that he was a big shot, you know. And so, like no, you can, for sure, you can get excited about it, whether you have the, you know, a, well, the number and, one draft pick talent or not. I guess, but but you know, like
4: if you're Stanford, you have built enthusiasm for your program over the course of having numerous successful seasons. But you know, Mizzou doesn't have that. So, what was Mizzou going to need to have a sort of real shot in the arm for enthusiasm for their program? is they're going to have to get some big name. And I'm just saying that there aren't big names when they're, when you're talking about freshmen entering the baseball program. Then nobody knows who these people are. I mean, I'm sure scouts know who they are. Scouts know how good they are. But if they're truly transcendent players, they never they never sniff a college baseball diamond.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is that pretty obvious, but the winning part, I mean, Zee baseball for 10 years has been average to horrible. I mean, that's, that's obvious, but they've been just, They've been horrible, and it's just like, well, if you don't win – and other things you guys know is that in Taylor Stadium, it's freezing cold until May. I don't the obvious here, but they've just been horrible.
3: No, that's yeah. true. Well, I mean, I think that's the that's the end-all, be-all too. I mean, enthusiasm. If Missouri baseball was doing right now what Mizzou softball would be, was doing, that Simmons field whatever, the Taylor Stadium, they changed the name all the time. It would be full, you know what I mean. It's been full. Yeah, people would go if they were doing the softball like team is right like now. Jason. So people would show up.
1: Well think you, is yeah. that Missouri baseball is not the best program in the state. Missouri State will probably destroy us in baseball. Semo like Missouri baseball is like probably the third best program in the state. It's sad, but like there's not the prominent program.
3: It is sad because it's one of the only sports that we have an actual national title in. I mean, we the I 1956, I guess we were 54 we won the uh, college baseball world series and we were in it a few years in the way back you know 60 years ago and it is sad that the program has fallen on such hard times and and even sadder than that is we actually played kansas in uh baseball last week and we lost to them and you know it's just it it is depressing Now, obviously we've said it a million times you know winning cures all and whether yeah i got, think
4: the, the biggest problem is, I mean, if, if Mizzou Baseball was doing what Mizzou bat Softball was doing right now, there wouldn't be an issue. But it's yeah. it's certainly not doing that.
3: Well, it, it begs the question of, of how is Steve Beezer doing as a coach? Because he's not, this year he's doing terrible, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it, you don't have to win everything, but you do want to see the program going in the right direction, and it does not appear to be the case right
1: now. Well, people no. said, you know. Well, guys said, you know, you like uh, as conference, you know, Missouri can't be in the SEC coming in, and well, they're right; they have not been able to compete in the SEC. And it's just like it's sad to see those people on Twitter that say all that stuff actually be right, you know.
3: Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, and we it is by far been the sport that Missouri has not been competitive in the SEC more than any other sport is baseball. We, you know, the mm-hmm. SEC dominates baseball in a way that I don't even know that they dominate football. And uh, it's not helped us in
4: Well, better. in our defense, we also have not been good in sister romancing. But we don't have a sister romancing program like <laughs> most of the Southern or the SEC yeah, Conference Al- does. So,
3: Yeah, Alabama's got a better record at sister romancing than they even do at football.
4: <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe. They are yeah, dominant. A lot
3: of people don't believe it.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. Every <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> I would stake my very very respected reputation on it.
3: <laughs> Sister Romeo and then Cousin Fucking two programs that uh, Missouri hasn't even
4: I don't know what the I think start the programs yet. Yeah. That. <laughs>
3: That's right. That's right.
4: That blade cuts both ways, and you, you know the, the SEC doesn't have wrestling, we don't have cousin fucking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i mean the problem that i have with missouri actually being good at wrestling and actually being good at softball are these are two things that i never watch and really don't intend to watch and and i think that aggravates people sometimes when we say that but like you can't be a fan of everything you know so I, if you're a fan of everything or i don't know i guess there are some people that are but i i've never been that gung-ho
4: now and uh
3: nor will i be <laughs> that's why we did a football podcast, you know. Yeah, that's right. But oh, I was going to tell you back to the uh, indoor practice facility that we're building. Speaking to Jay's point of being cold here and and went for baseball. That was one of the points they made. The curators made when they approved this facility was that we are the northernmost uh, SEC program, and if anybody needs an indoor facility, it is us. And the current mm-hmm. facility, the Dan Devine Pavilion, across Providence from the football stadium, it's only seventy yards long, so they can't have a full scrimmage inside because it is, uh, you know, not the full hundred yards. And and this one will be. It's going to be uh, basically an entire full football field. But inside, and they can practice year-round, and they can use the existing facility for other sports. Baseball can use it to practice indoors, you know, softball.
4: Well, can and use it. Uh, one of you guys can probably help me. I mean, that's, that's really is kind of been lacking because, I mean, the Chiefs had their training camp. at What was that? St. Joseph's? What, what, what was that? Missouri, was that?
1: Westland, something like that. The yeah, State.
4: yeah. I mean – you know, they had a full foot indoor football practice facility you know, for the chief to use. Now, I think the chiefs may have helped subsidize that some. But, you know, the point is, is that at this point, if you're playing at Division one SEC school, you need a full sized indoor football field.
3: I mean, when you look at the, what this is going to be, I, I I can't say it, I guess, because I have not been to the facilities of these other SEC schools. But like, I don't know how what they're building could be topped by many other programs unless some other else has a brand new state of the art facility for every single aspect of a football program and i'm sure alabama does then they can't compete and it some people think it's overblown how much of a recruiting impact that kind of stuff can have but i don't know i think a 17 or 18 year old kid walks into a facility like this and think well for the next 4 years this is going to be my home this is where i'm going to get better this is where i'm going to play that has oh, an impact. What sure. was it? The um, I think it was LSU. Was it when
4: during the um, when they won the national championship, they were t- they had just built new locker rooms or something that were just huge and audacious and just re- really kind of ridiculous. And I thought that probably appeals
3: to kids, you know. Well, and then and but their library's falling apart. Yeah, that was right. Their
4: library falling apart, and their locker room looked like some <laughs> the, a purple starship Enterprise.
3: That's it. That is sort of the uh, design element they're going for for a lot of these football facilities. Is uh, is a starship?
4: Maybe Mizzou has still got some ways to go there. I don't know, but uh, you know, I I think that's, I've, I've said this before. Like, I think that's why it's important for these teams to be so cognizant of their uniform choices. You know, what I mean, I think that's why they put so much mm-hmm. into it. It's because these kids care about that shit. You know what I mean? Kids are spending six hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of Air Jordans because they like the way they look. You know, they want the retro. They care about that shit. And so, you know, I think Oregon sort of started that trend because they are they had Nike in their back pocket. But, you know, now everybody does it. You know, these uniform combinations and, and looking for something to make it look really sharp. And I, I just think people understand that aesthetics matter. You know, look classy, be classy. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figures Home Equity Line of Credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
3: You work hard, you play hard. So treat yourself and stock up for some summer barbecue with Kansas City Steak Company. From classic steak cuts to USDA prime, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed. Or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with family and enjoying a steakhouse quality meal from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's right, SD like stinky dick. that's one thing I've always been pretty supportive of because Mizzou basically adopted that strategy you're talking about, which is to, to mix it up, try all kinds of uniform combos and not worry about it. And the SEC is probably a that's one area in the football world where they do lag because they cling to their traditional look, which I like. I mean, I like that you know the Alabama uniforms they have this year looks like the same ones they had in 1950. Um, you know, mm-hmm. most of the SEC programs are like that, but we're never going to be accepted as a true SEC program in the same way that uh, the more southern brethren are. And so, I like the idea where they're just saying, "Fuck it," you know what I mean? We're yeah. going to be the uh, the new bloods, and and because it also means we're more fun. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're not like, stick I think, in the mud.
4: I think these young athletes, you know, they like. I mean, everybody wants to play for Alabama, but it also it sucks having to wear the same stinking uniform every week. It's cool when they have some matted black helmet, or you know, the stealth helmet, or the white helmet with the the tiger head that looks like the Mazadcast logo. But, you know, whatever. It's just I like the fact that they change it up.
3: Yeah, when they started doing that, I think people would like if we'd lose a game, people would like. Associate that uniform combination with bad luck, and I think we've changed the uniform combos up so much now that you can't. Tra- who can keep track? You know what I mean? Like that's the helmet I, we lost Indiana in Indiana.
4: I will uh, say I don't love the white helmets. Yeah, it's an, now I like I like the M or the logo they'll put on a white helmet, but I just I don't love the white helmet.
3: If I have to choose one that I don't love, it's the sort of all yellow combo, the, the bumblebee look.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and uh, it's a can't true say yellow. That it's not gold yeah. it is a true yellow and it's just like eh no thanks i um, i i saw a lot
4: of uh call last year for them to go with the uh sort of vintage 90s block m gold and white stripe across the top of the helmet like you know the, the chase daniel years i, I saw yeah. them there been a big push to get bring that out of the out of the mothballs and i hope they do it this year cuz that is sort of a very like if you had to pick a Mizzou uniform that they were going to do go Alabama style and just wear the same uniform day in and day out every game, that would probably be your box-standard Mizzou go-to, in my opinion.
3: Well, the new administration has been pretty vocal about being big fans of the Block M. The only problem that I ever had with the Block M is at the time, a few years back, I, you just had to admit that more people would associate that M with Michigan than with Mizzou. But Michigan sucks and has sucked for a while now. So let's let's mm-hmm. uh, take. Well, nobody it back.
4: owns a nobody owns a letter. You know, I'm I'm yeah. perfectly okay with us having the same. I mean, George's logo is the fucking Green
3: Bay Packers.
4: You know what I mean? <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, I mean, like I just—I don't have, you know. There's no ownership for the an M. Hey, look who just joined us, Brennan.
3: That's right. Our guest is here, Adam Spencer from Saturday Night on South is joining. We were just having a thrilling conversation about uh, uniform combinations. Thanks for being on the show, Adam. No problem. The uh,
0: matte black helmets are always my favorite. If we're uh, if we're giving any points to those, we have yes.
4: already mentioned those. Those are good.
3: Yeah, that's Colin's favorite. Is this your first adventure on the uh, little locker room app, Adam?
0: Yeah, it is. I hope you guys like my uh, my
3: profile picture there. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> Top racing, turf in the hair. How this works, Adam, is this sort of an interactive thing. Uh, If anybody wants to ask you a question, they can join the chat or they can ask to speak to you directly. Uh, But what we wanted to do was talk to you first and foremost about the news today that uh, the cornerback Jarvis Ware had entered the transfer portal. Um, What do you know about that? Where do you think Jarvis Ware might be going? And what are we going to do at the uh, defensive back position?
0: Yeah, I mean, now there's a... Very little room for error. I mean, I think you know we have a budding star in uh, in Rakestraw, but like who who lines up alongside him? Because that was going to be where spot most likely. So, you know, I, I was I was caught off guard by this. I don't know what happened during spring camp to change his mind. I don't know if there's another school that's uh, that's involved here. Because I mean that that JUCO guy Jadarius Perkins, who was uh, a Mizzou lean and a former Mizzou signee was uh he just ended up at florida the other day i think so i i don't know I, I just think that uh we're getting pretty thin on defense here pretty quick so i wonder if there's some transfer guys coming in because
3: if not then uh, the cornerback position you can't afford any injuries am i wrong that it's kind of late in the uh, in the season for to be entering the transfer portal yeah, I think that this year's just like sort of reset everything. It seems like, 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 I,
0: you know, it's been weird all the activity at Auburn recently with players leaving in and out. And, uh, I, I don't know. I just think it's it at this point in years past when you would have to sit out, like, I just think that it's like, well, I might as well stick out this year here. But now we're, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, TJ Finley just ended up at Auburn. They've landed a couple guys, uh, from other spots they've uh, had a guy go to Indiana and stuff it's just it, it's a weird year and uh, I, I think that there's eventually going to be some more uh, sort of restrictions put on transferring, but I think we're going to have to pay players first before we get to that point because once you pay them then uh, then you can start to restrict them a little bit more I think
3: sure once they become employees then you can actually yeah. treat them like employees it is uh it, it's it's troubling to say the least because i i think there is a lot of excitement going into this fall with drink what's the second season and knowing that we have quite a bit of talent on the offensive side of the ball but so many question marks on defense especially with players like nick bolton now being gone do you uh do you think that this tiger team will be a 500 or better program like we were in the you know covid shortened 2020 i think i think that they still will be i think that the the non-conference
0: schedule is pretty manageable and like that's something that's going to like sort of bounce back this year. I I just think that a lot of teams that we didn't see win a lot of games last year are going to have more wins than we think they should just because we were so used to that like 10 game or nine game or whatever the big 10 did last year. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we're going to get those four non-conference games. And I think, you know, Mizzou has like three cupcakes on the schedule pretty much. So, I think they'll get to six wins at least, and I mean we still have we still have Arkansas's number, so uh, I, I don't think that will change. Um,
4: <laughs> Adam, so, yeah. Do you? Uh, I mean, you're you're part of SDS. Obviously, we are high on Drinkwitz, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of optimism about the program right now. Um, do your brethren from the uh, covering those other SEC programs? Do they have optimism for Mizzou, or do they just look at us like a proverbial road bump?
0: <laughs> i think that there's uh there's some s- slowly getting some respect i mean it's not going to be from everybody there's always the people who are like like i saw some people on twitter the other day who are like texas a&m and mizzou baseball not in the sec tournament the way it should be and it's like okay well uh, no like i i just i don't get that hate and uh, especially since you know mizzou won right away when they got to the sec they were competitive last year like They've been a pretty competitive program, so I, I think, it, I mean, they have more SEC division titles than Texas A&M, so I, I just don't get the hate. I don't think that much of it comes from, like, my colleagues or anything. I think my colleagues kind of like uh, kind of like the uh, hire of Drinkwits, but I saw something today, like, Athlon had Drinkwits rated as the 11th best coach in the SEC, and I, I think that's too low. They had Parson above him, and I, I don't get that. Like, why are we in a guy who I mean never he overachieved coached.
4: last yeah. year and yeah. and he's he's bringing in a decent recruiting class. I I'm not saying he's Nick Saban, but I that seems um, artificially low. I but you know I see lots of stuff like that where you, it's pretty obvious there are a lot of guys who claim to be experts on the SEC and they know about the first six teams and after that they don't have a clue. Yeah. And uh, so it's just a like, well, where do we put, who do you put in last Vanderbilt? Who do we put second to last? Well, Missouri, Kentucky. I mean, just, it wouldn't matter how good our program or bad our program was. It's just, they only know us well enough to know that they, we don't belong in that, that upper echelon in their mind.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just, it's weird to uh, to still get that after all these years and all these competitive years. Like there's really only been two years where, mizzou hasn't been at least
4: decent so i i just i don't know i don't get it you know what worries me is that i think arkansas joined in 1993 and i will still see arkansas occasionally get kicked with the we're not you're not sec boot and i'm just like yeah. god if, if arkansas still catching it South Carolina too. Take. <laughs> well
0: i mean maybe we'll just have to form our own uh, battle line rivalry i mean We'll just have to make that a conference, and we'll get uh, we'll get Kansas and Illinois on board too, and just uh, just do that. Those four <laughs> teams, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that could be a very competitive conference
3: for Mizzou. Yeah, we'd be well,
1: dominant. Speaking of, speaking of yeah. expansion, conference expansion, Adam. So if you'd pick two two more teams to join the SEC. Who would you pick for two other teams to join the conference?
0: Two other teams to join the SEC. Okay, I think that if if we're gonna do that, they have to be schools that are not in a current SEC state so I think the first one that makes like a ton of sense is Virginia Tech and then like I would try to get Oklahoma I don't know if they would come but those would be the two that I would say if like they were going to actually expand I think that those are the two that they would want to target I mean personally though I would love to see Clemson and like a Florida State join but that's not going to happen because they're not going to do that to South Carolina or Florida, but Virginia tech and, uh, and Oklahoma, I think if they were going to add two more teams, I think that those would be interesting ways to go.
4: I've been hoping that, uh, once the, the last con uh, television contract for the big 12, uh, is up that that conference will just collapse and then we'll be able to pick up an Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think anything's possible here <laughs> as we move on. I think that there's a lot of, uh, still a lot, I mean, you know, Texas A&M and Mizzou obviously left the Big 12, uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of other uh, dislike of Texas there,
3: so (laughs) anything could happen when the TV rights deals are negotiated again. As much trouble as Texas has had sort of rebuilding, I I feel like Teams like Oklahoma, they don't need Texas in the way that maybe they did 10 years ago whenever there were the original sort of conference breakup. And I do wonder if, if Oklahoma is a program that, you know, that's a, that's a marquee program and the SEC likes their marquee programs. And it, it does seem sort of to have a more natural fit than, than some of these other realignments that we've seen in the past. And, you know, they're all, it gets so complicated, so political, and there's so much money involved. But, I mean, it seems like a very realistic possibility. And I mean,
0: I know people will point to like Oklahoma State. Well, they wouldn't leave without Oklahoma State. It's like, well, Mizzou left without Kansas, and Texas A&M left without Texas. So the I, I there;
1: anything can happen. The
3: yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I don't feel it... like Oklahoma people give a shit about Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't either.
4: <laughs> and I, I also worry about uh, a program like Oklahoma going the way of Nebraska if they don't change at some point i i, I just feel like the, the further you get into the deep midwest um you know who wants to go there <laughs> your program better be awesome uh, yeah because that's and, what nebraska is like you're out in the middle of fucking nebraska so your program better be awesome and you know what they ain't awesome anymore and they haven't been since the 90s and it's it's starting to show
0: and Iowa's the same way too you know they're notre dame's dealing with that like they're good but they're not on the same level as uh as Alabama or even like Florida or LSU or Clemson. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all interesting to see these like legacy schools try to still think that they're good, but Oklahoma's not there yet.
4: I mean, I know that Missouri might not be exactly, um, you know, a major metropolitan area or something, but we are centrally located close enough to the South. And um, I just feel like those, once you start getting Oklahoma, Nebraska, even Colorado, to an extent, you're, you're really getting away from, I don't know, the beating heart of college football.
3: Well, and I also feel like Missouri is bookended by two pretty large cities, in, in Nebraska or in Iowa or some of these places, they don't have a, a metro center that is a television market, and and even if Missouri's not as appealing of a of a program or doesn't have the same history as maybe in Nebraska, they do have eyeballs that will spend money and look at advertisements and and you know be in a metro area nearby. So I think that is obviously the appeal that the SEC saw ten years ago. Well, yeah, even it all comes if you don't have
4: a major metro area with a uh, major city and lots of people in it, with teams like
3: Nebraska and Iowa, you have massive fan bases. Even people down here in Missouri, there's a ton of Nebraska and Iowa fans. So even though some states might not have major metropolitan areas, you're still going to get a lot of viewership and merchandise sales and just things.
4: Well, you, you, that's true, Connor, to an extent, but how long can that last? Because what I feel like is my dad's, guys my dad's age might have loved Nebraska because of Tom Osborne and them winning, but they're all going to die, and Nebraska <laughs> won't have been good for three decades. And so now suddenly there aren't a bunch of guys in Iowa and M- Missouri who give a shit about Nebraska anymore. I just feel like that's what I'm talking about. These, these programs are, if they're not winning, they're too far away from the beating heart of college football, which is basically the South to be maintain relevancy without the wins and while Oklahoma is still winning. And so maybe they're – I just – I think there's a – I have a fear that Nebraska can very easily become – or I'm sorry, Oklahoma can very easily become Nebraska if they're not careful. If they – a few bad years and it could be really – things could get tough.
1: Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma luckily is pretty close to Texas, but just helps them out a ton. They're near Dallas, three hours away, but unlike like Nebraska. So they have that going for them. They're pretty close to Texas.
3: Well, they Oklahoma still has had what, like – Two or three Heisman winners recently that uh, makes them really popular with like the younger crowd. You know, people my age love watching Heisman winners play. So I know there's a I know a lot of people who are uh, Oklahoma fans solely because of like the big play quarterbacks,
4: even though they're
3: not. Oklahoma was able to uh, transition well as well from Bob Stoops to Lincoln like, Riley, and that I think is a huge factor um, it's just like with countries if you if you have a bad leadership uh, in a transition then you can you can fall fast but Oklahoma hasn't had that they, they they didn't miss a beat whenever they changed coaches and I think that's benefited them obviously but hey Adam I wanted to change gears a little bit because we were talking before you came on the air about the new football facility that they're approved to build for the practice facility and we we're discussing how much that possibly might impact recruiting or not and how much that you know does that affect things or is it just sort of a, a dick measuring contest for these programs <laughs> do you think that uh, missouri adding a brand new multi-million dollar facility just right next door to their other multi-million dollar brand new facility at the south end zone what do you think that does for us for recruiting or just prestige
0: um, well, I, like I don't know if it's gonna help in a big way in recruiting, but it—if you don't do it, it's gonna hurt you in recruiting. Like, you have to win the arm—I mean, the arms race in facilities is what it, the name of the game is these days. I mean, that's why Jimbo left Florida State. He wanted bigger and better facilities, and the administration was, at least to my knowledge, was digging in a little bit on that. And uh, and now we see like he's gone to. Texas A&M where you know they have all that Oil money and uh, They're throwing checks around all willy-nilly And uh, Florida State hasn't Been the same since Jimbo left so you know You can't and I'm not Like comparing Mizzou's facilities To Texas A&M's or anything but Like you can't I don't know if it helps recruiting but if they didn't Do it it would definitely
3: hurt Recruiting if that makes sense Who are the uh, teams In the SEC that may be falling behind in that sort of arms race for facilities or are there any teams? Or is everybody doing this?
0: I mean, I think you gotta look at Vanderbilt and wonder, you know, with the investments that they've I mean, they're making some more investments under this new leadership, but you gotta wonder, like, is are they what are they doing here? You know, their stadium is one of the worst in the SEC. It's not even like iconic really in any way. So it's it's just they're going to have to do something if they're going to i mean the sec cuts all these big checks all the, i mean they just gave each school like 30 million dollars or something to help them offset pandemic losses and it's like did did vanderbilt deserve that like they haven't really invested in their programs so like what why do we keep subs, subsidizing their football team and basketball team when uh, you know they're really just a a baseball and apparently a,
3: a bowling school <laughs> is there anybody besides Vanderbilt that's not doing it because uh, Vanderbilt is such an afterthought anyway and obviously they're they're comfortable being that way. Uh I think the two that were
0: sort of lagging were South Carolina and uh Auburn, but they've both just made big investments in their programs. So uh like Auburn has a new facility, a bunch of them and some others planned and uh, South Carolina just opened a really nice new facility. So and I mean, even Georgia just upgraded their already good facilities. But when you're on that level, like you're already, when you're on like a Georgia level, like you're operating, like you got to change your facilities like every five years because you're recruiting at that elite level. But, you know, when you're a mid-tier program like Mizzou, you got you to gotta keep up, but it's not going to be like on
3: that same level. I wonder about a school like Mississippi State, which there's just not that much money there. The, the, yeah. the uh, school doesn't have that it's much great. money. The, the donor base isn't as big as a lot of other places. Where's the money coming from? Like, how can it be supported? Because it's – and it's historically not that good of a school, a football school, honestly. I mean, it's got a lot of support, but it doesn't have a lot of success.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I think that if you're looking for an answer other than Vanderbilt, that's probably the right one is Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I wonder how much that played into Dan Mullen leaving just because they couldn't invest in him the way – and, I mean, he had the ties to Florida, obviously. So I don't know, like – how much it impacted his decision that that Mississippi State was where it was with uh, facilities and all that. But, yeah, it, it certainly didn't help that they're so far behind with all that stuff. And there's just, yeah, like you said, there's not a lot of money uh, for athletics down there.
4: That's my, uh, my, honestly, my dream for Drinkowitz is he's so good that one of these blue chip programs steal him away. Because whatever he does in the interim will be so good you know, if Alabama or not Alabama, that may be too big a dream, but if an Auburn or uh, or an A and M or somebody like that comes sniffing in three or four years, it means Drinkwitz will have taken us to places we probably haven't been before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that he's off to a good start. I mean, nobody expected Mizzou to go five and five last year, so. Like that was a huge start and uh yeah I, I think he's on the right track. It's just going to be all about that defense this year because the offense should be a lot better now that they have a year under his system. Bazlack had a spring to go through everything and uh yeah it's just going to be all about that uh that defense because they're losing some key players here and I don't I don't really like that. That, that has me concerned.
4: What uh yeah the up the middle worries me without Bolton and losing two safeties but um what about the, the quarterback situation mizzou seems to be a little bit quarterback rich right now do you have a prediction on how that is going to play out over the next couple seasons yeah
0: i don't know it depends uh like i'm i'm on the record as saying like 2023 nfl draft i don't think it would be crazy to see basilak in the first round discussion like he showed his poise last it. year he took a couple yeah he took a couple big hits last year and uh and got right back up and kept leading the drives. I think we'll see his numbers improve a lot this year, just because like he, they don't have Larry Roundtree to go to in the in the red zone, so he won't be uh, taking all those touchdowns.
4: I saw him make some like, throws I- last year that I thought I never saw Drew Locke make that throw, especially at that age. You know he he threw to some small windows. Um, he was willing to put the ball in places that a lot of guys who are a lot older and more experienced than him wouldn't have. And I, it just gave me a lot of, a lot of optimism for where he might, where his head's at and where he might be able to go mature to.
0: Andy has that size that the NFL teams like too. He's not, he's not a small guy. So, uh, and I know that the game's shifting a little bit at the NFL level, but I do think that he, he has the sort of prototypical frame that, uh, I mean, I remember, uh, Chase Patton, they were talking about when, uh, yeah, that a side cover. So I mean it's about more than size, but I think that he's uh he's shown that he that he has what it takes and, and yeah, I don't think it's crazy to think that after next season he could be in the mix to be a first round pick. Uh I just <laughs> think that if if I air that opinion then I'm gonna get all the Florida fans and Tennessee fans in my in my mentions and I'm
3: I'm not ready for that yet, but we'll see how he does <laughs> yeah. early on this season. Well, cool. I don't think you're being fair to uh, Chase Patton. He's an excellent, very fine dentist.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know what? Uh, It's a, it's, it's okay. I mean, you really, with those, those Tennessee fans and uh, that are going to come at you about Basilac. you know, if you can handle the terrible spelling, You know, it's really not that – it's not so bad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) About Bazelak, it was interesting the way we got exposed to him last year because, you know, obviously Sean Robinson started the the season for Mizzou, and that turned out to be sort of a disaster uh, of an experiment there. And I wish him all the luck in defense, but, you know, obviously it didn't work out. And when Connor Bazelak did take over in that LSU game – it was a kind of different style of offense because LSU had this unique defensive strategy where they didn't defend passes last year, so we didn't we went long all the time. But that's not <laughs> how Drinkwitz played lack the rest of the season. You know, he, he wasn't the deep ball threat all the time, and I think people kind of expected it after LSU, but he was effective at, at both ways. I thought. Yeah, I think that uh, like he's. He's going to be
0: good. He's going to be really good this year. They've got Mookie Cooper, and I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, I think that that gives them a weapon that we've sort of thought that Jalen Knox would be, but he hasn't really been. Um, So I think that if they use him the way that they were using Knox last year and let Knox uh, work in the slot a little bit better, then uh, I really think he could take a big step forward this year because he's going to be draft-eligible After this season as a redshirt sophomore or like, I don't know if they're still considering him a redshirt uh, freshman because last year didn't count for eligibility. But like, like, so I don't know, whatever you want to call him, but he'll be three years out of high school after this Mm -hmm. uh, coming season. So it'll be interesting if he has a huge year, he could leave. Uh, I just
3: I think he's around for two more years at least, though. That would be my guess. Well, we're closing in on our hour on the uh, on the Locker Room app live show here. And I wanted to broaden my final question for you, Adam, to more of the SEC level. I Rather than just Mizzou, what do you think is going to be the biggest surprise we're going to see out of the SEC this year? I mean, we always have our regular expectations with Alabama and possibly Georgia out of the east. But, but who do you think is going to shock the SEC fan base this year?
0: I'm still I'm still workshopping my hot
3: takes here a little bit, but I do yeah. think that
0: I I do think that Ole Miss is gonna be really fun on offense this year. Uh I think that they're gonna be uh they're gonna pull off a couple upsets, I think. I think that they might uh surprise a team like like uh like Texas A and M or a team like uh I think that they could beat L S. U absolutely. I mean they were in a shootout with them last year, so I, I think that that Lane Kiffin offense with uh, another year with uh with Matt Corral is gonna be something fun to watch, even
3: even after they lost uh Kenny Yaboa and uh, Elijah Moore. Yeah, the uh it, you may not know this, but Mrs. Mazad is an old miss grad, so I guess uh, Oh yeah, I remember on. you telling I remember you telling me that. So <laughs> old miss football. And they yeah, they were fun last year, for sure. Yeah. All right, Adam Spencer from Saturday Now South. Thank you for joining us in this uh, this new format we've got with the yeah. Soccer this is this Live is show. cool. I kind of like hey. this. Yeah, so it's uh, it's by Spotify, and they've uh, asked us to to do this, and we'll be posting it on our regular podcast feed, like we do on normal shows. And I guess we're going to be trying to do this some during the regular football season too. So we'll hope we will have you back. Sounds, Sounds good, Colin. You got any uh, final thoughts before we uh, before we sign off for another week of the Mizzoucast? <laughs>
4: Go Mizzou softball. That's right.
3: Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. We uh, we're one weekend away from uh, sending them to the College World Series and hopefully getting Mizzou a fucking national title and something. <laughs> are those games on TV? I think they will be. Yeah, but I they don't will be. Know what the what the networks are? I, I saw that. Uh, I think I it was. assume it'd be weekend. like
1: SEC alternate, right? Probably. Wouldn't
3: be surprised. Yeah.
1: So. I will say if they make it to College World Series, I'm gonna go from Dallas, Oklahoma City and watch. So, I mean. Nationals, how policy from a zoo sport, you got to be there.
3: Yeah, look, they sell beer at stadiums now, and the weather's going to be nice. So, so let's true. get out there and set some records at the softball stadium. All right, Adam Smith, thank you so much. Everybody, thanks for joining us live. M I Z Z O U.
4: SEC doesn't have wrestling. We don't have cousin fucking.